You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. All right, keep your Bible in the book of John, and we're going to bounce around between John and Luke this morning. Uh, but here is in this passage of Scripture, look again with me at verse number 29. The Bible says, And his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no p- proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Now, this is one of those aha moments that the disciples are experiencing. It was one of those times where they said, You know what, Lord, we didn't know what you were talking about. But now we do. Now you're speaking plainly. You know, the Lord was a perfect communicator. It wasn't that he did not communicate something properly. It was that they did not receive properly. You know, I, I wonder in, in the, the messages as a communicator, you wonder how many times you attempt to try to communicate a truth and you walk away thinking, I don't think I did that very well. And I was unable to communicate what I was intending to communicate. Now, the Lord here, as the perfect communicator, he is communicating it, but they still don't get it. But the reality is, this this moment, this was a very pivotal aha moment. You see, the Lord has, in John chapter 13, he has just finished the Last Supper. We find how Judas now has been dismissed. Satan had entered into Judas. And now the Lord tells him, whatsoever thou doest, do quickly. And he leaves. Now the Lord turns back to those 11. From chapter 13 through this chapter, the Lord is dealing with those 11 disciples that were left. The ones that he was getting ready to hand the gospel off to. The individuals that he's getting ready to to say, okay, now I have invested in you three and a half years. And he is trying to just get some last minute teaching in. He's trying to solidify their faith. And they don't get it. They don't understand it. Sort of like when you were sitting sitting there in, in math class. Algebra. The teacher was up there talking about algebra and it was just foreign. The, the concepts were coming at you, but you didn't quite get it. And then they went back a little bit later and it was, oh, okay, now I know what you mean. That aha moment. That moment when the light bulb comes on. Now, it is, it is a little amazing that the disciples are having that aha moment right before the Savior is getting ready to be crucified. Now we believe. Really? Isn't it a little late? You would think that they would have had that aha moment a lot sooner. I don't know about you, but there are so many times where as a Christian, I'll open up my Bible or I'll hear somebody else preach and teach, and it's like, Man, okay, that makes so much sense. How come I didn't get that before? That aha moment. And you know, in our lives, there are a lot of aha moments. 
in the Christian life, there, there are some of those moments where it's, okay, now I get it. Now I, I see. And that's exactly what's taking place right here. And in the scriptures, we can find many aha moments. And we're just going to uh, look at 65 of them this morning. And, uh, and so, no, we're going to make up for that lost hour. Uh, no, but uh, uh, here this morning, we're going to look at some of those aha moments. Is, uh, because when we see those aha moments, they should be pivotal times in our life. Those aha moments should not be something that we experience and then just forget about. Because those are times that really are transformational in our direction. They're transformational not just in our understanding, but also in what should come from that, that action. And so this morning, I want to speak to you on that subject, an aha moment and aha moment. And let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd bless now in this time and give me clarity as I endeavor to, to help your people this morning. And I pray today would be a day uh, where they're encouraged and strengthened. I pray that, uh, Lord, as we look at some of the aha moments that others have experienced, uh, Lord, may, may we identify, uh, maybe there's some experiences that we need to yet have. If there's one here this morning that does not know you as their personal Savior, I pray today would be the day, and whether they're sitting in the auditorium or whether they're watching online or whether uh, they are watching an archive in days to come, may the Spirit of God use this message, uh, Lord, to just lead and guide and help people. For Christ's sake, we pray, amen. So here this morning, as we look at some aha moments, I want to I look at some different characters in the Bible. The first one we're going to look at is in Luke chapter 16. In Luke 16, we find an aha moment uh, for an individual uh, that we are just going to call the rich man. Luke chapter 16, and look with me at verse number 19. And we have this aha moment of this individual. Follow along with me, Luke uh, 16, verses 19 to 25. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. You know, here as we look at this passage of Scripture, we find two individuals with very different results. Both of them experienced an aha moment. Now, I want to look, first of all, of course, at the rich man. This rich man uh, ends up dying, and the Bible says that he was buried. And the next verse says, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. You know, the, uh, the, 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 rich, the rich man did not go to hell because of the abundance of things that he had. 
He did not go to hell because he was rich. Uh, there is nothing wrong with having wealth. There is nothing wrong with having possessions. There is nothing wrong with success uh, down here on this earth. But what this man went to hell for was not because of what he had. He went to hell because of what he did not have. He did not have salvation. He did not know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And here we find something that this man, uh, he has everything on this earth earth, the Bible says that he fared sumptuously every day. He was clothed in purple and fine linen. So he enjoyed the finest of everything that the world had to offer, yet he did not make time. He did not take and make a decision about what he was going to do with Jesus. And you know, a person that does not accept Jesus Christ has no hope of heaven. No hope of heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way that anybody is ever going to get into heaven. And this rich man, as we looked at him, there was an aha moment, but it was an aha moment that we don't want to experience. The aha moment that he had was the prophets were right. The Bible is true. Uh, hell is real. Uh, all of the things that I have heard growing up, uh, the things that I had been taught about a heaven and a hell and God and salvation. They were true. And this rich man, when he died and in hell lift up his eyes, there was an aha moment that was going to last for eternity. You know, this rich man that looks up to heaven and says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. Then he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He's still tormented in that flame. Nothing has changed. The, the decision to do nothing with Jesus resulted in him spending eternity in hell. What an aha moment. You know, I don't want to come to an aha moment that God's real in a place called hell. I don't want to have an aha moment that the Bible is right, the prophets were true, that God's word that was preached and proclaimed, that it wasn't a fairy tale. This man had an aha moment, but it was too late. It was too late. Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. There is coming a day for each and every one of us when we are going to take our last breath down here on this earth and our next breath will be in heaven. Uh, each of us have said goodbye to somebody that we love and there was a time where they, they finished their life here, but if they were saved, uh, they went from life to life. I think, about, I think about Lazarus here. Here is this man who, who did not have the blessings of the world. He did not have all of the things and the possessions. He was desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Uh, and the Bible says that the dogs came and licked his source. Can you imagine? Uh, this man was not in a good place. His health was not in a good place. Uh, his, his own sustenance was not provided. This man was a very needy individual, but there was somewhere along the line that he had put faith in Jesus Christ. Are, aren't you glad that if you're saved this morning that you will not have the rich man's aha moment? But you'll have the, the aha moment of Lazarus. 
I mean, can you imagine just like the rich man and in hell lift up his eyes being in torment? Uh, we find this, that Lazarus, uh, he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Uh, we find him all of a sudden in a place of blessing. And in his mind, I can imagine the ha- aha moment as well is it's true. It's true. My faith was not in vain. Jesus is real. Uh, can you imagine that moment? You know, right now we just live by faith it's all by faith he said oh pastor I'll never have those doubts well I've been at many a bedside and and people that have have lived a life as a Christian and just pastor just tell me one more time brother Brown just tell me again I just want to make sure you know why because it's all by faith down here But there's coming an aha moment that it won't be by faith. If you're saved this morning, the day's coming where you're going to see the Lord. Uh, You're going to wake up and and it's not going to be uh, in a place called hell. It's going to be in a place called heaven uh, because of what you have done with Jesus Christ. You see, the people that are going to be in heaven, uh, they are no better than the people that are in hell. The only difference is one accepted Jesus and one rejected Jesus. The people who do nothing with Jesus have rejected Jesus. The people who have, who have not accepted the Lord as their personal Savior, they have rejected the Son of God. Jesus said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a blessing it is uh, to be a child of God. And if you have that assurance this morning, what a blessing if you do not have that assurance don't have don't put it off don't have an aha moment like the rich man we see here first of all uh, the rich man in this aha moment uh, that he experienced but I want you to see secondly go back to Luke chapter 15 I want to I want to look at the reckless man Luke chapter 15 we call this man the prodigal Luke chapter 15, look with me at verse number 11. The Bible says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and Sent him, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've, uh, I have... Uh, Let's see here. Uh, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. You know, this, this young man, he had everything now. At that moment, he had everything, but he didn't know it. He, he had everything that he needed, but he wanted out. He wanted... He wanted what was not his yet. He had everything now, but he didn't know it. 
He wanted everything now, and he demanded it. Here, this young man, he, he was so willing to go his own way that he was willing to look at his dad and say, Dad, I want everything that's mine that's going to be mine when you die. You know, how calloused, how selfish can a person be? But the reality is, we see it all the time. Unfortunately, it's not just a parable that we read in the Bible. It's something we see exhibited in people's lives so often. And this young man, he had everything, but he wanted it now. He demanded it. Verse 17, the Bible says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. You see, we find this event. This young man, the father did decide to go ahead and divide the goods between the older and the younger, and he gave, he cashed out the younger son and gave him what he was requiring of him and asking of him. And, and the young, young man went into a far country. The Bible says that he wasted his goods goods uh, with riotous living. It was the party lifestyle. He, he went out and he just partied and he thought that uh, he was going to just enjoy the life. But you know what? Uh, it runs out at some point. And it all ran out. And there was a famine. And all the friends that he had when he had the money were nowhere to be found. Not even one enough to give him something to eat. We used to raise hogs when I was a kid. Anybody else raise hogs? All right, a few. And we, we would raise hogs, and you know, when I would go out to feed those hogs, I was never tempted to eat what they had. Never was. There was never a time when I grabbed that slop and I'd go out to the pen and, 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 and muck through the mire and get to the, uh, to the feeding trough and dump that slop in there. I never thought, man, he's got it good. There was nothing that I wanted. This young man got to a place that he desired to eat what the hogs were eating. I mean, you talk about a desperate young man. You talk about a situation that had turned uh, so bad. Uh, he had everything. I'm sure he had all the friends. He had all the parties. He had all the enjoyment. But somewhere along the line, when the tide turned, he was left destitute. And he looks back and says, you know what? The employees of my dad, they have food, bread enough, and to spare. He said, they have everything that I need. There was an understanding. And what do we find here? We find an aha moment. We find an aha moment when the young man says, I will arise and go to my father. He comes to himself. The Bible says he came to himself. 
There was that, there was that aha moment. And this aha moment moved him to action. It caused him to have to do something different. You see, he came to himself. There was an awakening. Somehow he had gotten so, uh, so blinded by the lifestyle, so blinded by maybe the wealth, so blinded by the power, the friends, the fame, who knows? But somewhere along the line, uh, this young man, he got to a place when everything went bad, he finally had an awakening. Then he had an awareness. This awakening was, man, look at where I am at. You know, you can't help anybody that doesn't want help. But this young man, he realized, hey, I need some help. I don't have all the answers. The things that I was told not to do, I should have listened. I should have stayed where I was at. But he didn't. There was an awakening. But then there was an awareness of what he needed to do. But this aha moment didn't just give the awareness. There was an action. There was something that he knew he had to do. And that awareness then changed everything. It brought him to a place where he knew what he needed to do, and action was soon to follow. You know, praise God for some aha moments when we are going the wrong way. Praise the Lord that uh, when we've made some bad decisions, and we can look down at this young man, we can look down on others that we know that have made some bad decisions, but there isn't one of us that's sitting here that has not made some bad decisions. And, and those aha moments are moments that uh, they are key. They are transformational. They are the moments to say, okay, now I gotta do something different here. Uh, I've gotta change the direction. I've gotta change my path. Uh, I want to be uh, where I have a life that is blessed. You know what? Parents, sometimes uh, it's easy to raise our kids when they're small. Man, it's easy. You know what? I found that I was the best parent in the world. I knew what everybody else was failing in until I had teenagers. You know, when my kids were small and you told them what to do, they did it. And if they didn't, you whooped their backside and they did it. And if they didn't, you whooped their backside again and then they did it but they were going to do it. You are able to impose your will on them. But there comes a time when all of a sudden they've got that, their own will. And their own will, and their own direction. And all of a sudden there's a battle. Parents, don't change who you are because of your, your children. Don't change who you are. He said, oh, pastor, we're just going to quit doing this and because, you know, it's just not worth the, the battle at home. And, uh, you know, we're not going to make them go to church and we're not going to do this or that or the other. And, and, and what happens is not only do the kids go in the wrong direction, but mom and dad follow right along behind. And when life has its turn and when the awareness that what they were taught was right, where are they going back to if mom and dad aren't still on the porch? You see, this father, he stayed home. He didn't pack up and chase the kids. He stayed right where he was supposed to stay. And in doing so, 
Though we don't know how long it took for this young man to get things right, he knew exactly where he needed to come back to. You know what? It's a wonderful thing where we can come back to God right where we left him. He's always there. And, and we are able to come back. And, and what a blessing that that is the case, uh, that this young man, he had that opportunity to come back. And, and you and I, uh, those aha moments, uh, th- those aha moments that we've had in our own life, maybe it's an aha moment that somebody else is going to experience, uh, but those are transformational times that need to help us, uh, re- help remind us uh, of, of areas that God has worked in our life, lessons that we have learned, lessons that we have observed. Maybe it's not a lesson that we had to exhibit ourselves or learn ourselves, but we learn from somebody else. You know, I sure would like to learn from somebody else's mistakes besides my own. And sometimes those aha moments, it may be it wasn't your life. Maybe it wasn't your child. But there's a learning experience Every one of these aha moments, they're teachable times. You see, he came to himself. And I thank the Lord for those aha moments uh, where uh, we're able to, to recognize the need of change and recognize that we have a God that will let us come back. What a blessing uh, for that. So we see the aha moment of the rich man. We see the aha moment of the reckless. But then I want you to see an aha moment of the religious of the religious. Here, look with me in Luke chapter 18. Look with me at verse number nine. The Bible says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, now notice here what's taking place. The Lord is getting ready to teach and he is teaching and this is a directed message at some people that are not doing right. This, this is a pointed message. You know, uh, sometimes people say, well, pastor, you were, you were preaching right at me. Well, I didn't know what was going on in your life. It was God that was pointed at your life. But, but, but here, the Lord, he knew exactly what was going on in somebody else's life. And he directs this parable right to them. He says, two men went up into the temple uh, to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You say, Pastor, what's the aha moment here? The aha moment is when Jesus, Jesus calls you a Pharisee. And that's exactly what he's doing right here. He's looking at these individuals who who felt that they were better than everybody else. They despised other people. Let me tell you, that is not a Christian mentality. Why is it that the world looks at believers and say, oh, the church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites? That ought not be the case. We ought to be the same out there as we are in here. You know, our terminology shouldn't change because we walk outside the doors of the church house. It shouldn't be that we're praising God in here and cursing out there. It ought not be that uh, we we have one... one, One way that we act and present ourselves inside the church house and then present ourselves as something completely different outside the church house. 
You see, these individuals, uh, they were not, they were religious, but they were not righteous. And these religious individuals, this aha moment should have been when Jesus was telling a parable directed right at them, calling them hypocrites, calling them a Pharisee, saying, listen, you are not right. You think you are somebody and you are not. And I wonder if maybe some of those aha moments need to be a moment that we have. Do we drive down the street and look down on everybody that's not like us? You go into Walmart. I don't go into Walmart, but you go into Walmart. You go into Walmart and you look around and it's quite amazing, isn't it? but the Lord doesn't love you any more than he loves any of those people. The person that is standing right there on the corner has got a sign. The Lord doesn't love them any less than he loves you. Somehow we get to a point where we're cleaned up in a certain way and we feel like we're better but we are not. This attitude of superiority, it's not Christian. It's not Christ-like. And here the Lord looks at the religious and he's calling them out. That should be an aha moment to say, hey, I need to change some things. It's one of those checkpoints where you get called on the carpet. It's like, uh, okay, I don't like it. I don't like being called on the carpet, but if this is a reality, this is an aha moment that I've got to change. It's an aha moment that I didn't even realize that I was there. Uh, I didn't even recognize that I had allowed that mentality uh, to filter into my mind and, and my heart. I, I would never purposefully feel or say that I'm better than anybody else, but my actions ha have revealed that. And here, this should have been an aha moment for these religious individuals. We don't know what the response was, but these individuals that are pointed out, uh, the Lord doesn't show us that they make any change. We see this aha moment of the religious. But what's the aha moment of the repentant? Let's look at this man, uh, the, the publican here, verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not uh, lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord went on, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What do we find? We find the repentant. We find the one that is responding properly to the Lord. You know, all of us are just sinners. There's saved sinners, there's lost sinners, but we're all sinners. We're just sinners. Now, being a Christian, we are not going to be sinless, but we should sin less. There ought to be, 
as the Holy Spirit of God. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit moved in. What, know ye not? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You know, and our body is the temple. And what we use that temple for should honor him. I remember when I first got saved, things that I, would, that I had no idea was wrong or didn't even think about it, all of a sudden it was in my face. Oh, I can't do that anymore. I remember going to do things and it was just like, oh, I can't do that either. And, and it wasn't because I had all the teaching and preaching yet, though that was to come, the Holy Spirit moved in. Before salvation, I did not have a conscience. People say, let your conscience be your guide. Definitely not. Because your conscience is developed based on your upbringing, your environment, the surroundings around you. So some who are, who are raised with things that we would look at and say, man, that is just uh, terrible. How could anybody do that? Uh, other people, they look at it as it's not a problem at all because that's just their life. That was how they were raised. But I remember just the Holy Spirit starting to convict. You know how I got the assurance of my salvation? I got the assurance of my salvation through the chastening hand of God. He chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. You know what? If you're a child of God and the Holy Spirit doesn't ever correct you, I would doubt my salvation. Because we're not perfect. And if we're not being chastened by the Spirit of God, he's not convicting us of things that we shouldn't do, if he is not convicting us to do things that we should do, then he's not living inside of us. Or we have seared our heart to such an extent that we don't sense his presence and his moving in our life. But we see this. We see the rich man in this aha moment. Uh, we see the reckless man in this aha moment. We see a religious individual in aha moment. We see this uh, repentant individual in this aha moment. And you know, as we look at these aha moments, uh, they should help us recognize our need for God. Uh, these aha moments uh, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm so thankful that I got saved. I'm so thankful that someone shared the gospel with me, uh, that uh, I was able to be saved. Now, this aha moment uh, with these disciples, if you go back to John 16, uh, we're going to look at this uh, and dial it in, and I, I'm just about done. But as we, we dial this aha moment in with these apostles, uh, what we find is the Lord is trying to help solidify some things in their life before he goes away. He's getting ready in a few short hours, uh, in a few short minutes, these individuals are going to be scattered there in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, in just a few hours, they are going to find themselves uh, where they are going to flee and, uh, and, uh, and leave the Savior. Uh, they will scatter uh, looking for safety. But I want you to see, first of all, here in our passage in John chapter 16, look with me at verse number 
uh, 29, uh, the Bible says, His disciples said unto him, Lo, uh, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. We are sure, now we are sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. And Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? What do we find here? First of all, we see a proclaimed profession, a profession, a proclaimed profession. These individuals, they recognize who Jesus was. Now, this is a little late in the game, I'm thinking. I mean, there were many times where you look back and it will say that the disciples believed on him. What do we find? Those are all building blocks. These are all steps where they have grown in their faith, their trust. But now this is a pivotal time and the Lord, uh, they are telling the Lord, Lord, now we believe, now we understand, now we get it. You know, wouldn't it have been sad if they didn't get it until it was too late? If they wouldn't have got it before it was too late, we would have never got it. If they would have never had that aha moment, then there would not have been the apostles and the apostles' doctrine. There would not have been all that the Lord had done and what he had conveyed in and through them to share with the rest of the world. Uh, you and I are beneficiaries of these disciples having some aha moments. Now, they had a professed, uh, uh, proclaimed their profession. Now we believe. Let me tell you, somebody needs you to profess your profession. Somebody needs you and me to proclaim what we believe. There has to be a proclaimed uh, uh, profession. Uh, now uh, we are sure. Now we believe. And you know what? If you are saved this morning, you need to proclaim. Why? Because somebody else is hanging in the balance. Somebody else needs you to be that witness. Somebody else needs you to have that confidence, to have that aha moment. Yes, I have uh, accepted the Lord as my personal Savior, but I recognize that now I have a responsibility to do something with it. I've got to share him with this lost world. You know, all of us have an opportunity to, to profess uh, our profession, a proclaimed profession. Secondly, we see a proposed persecution. Why is it that many don't want to profess or proclaim their profession? Because they fear persecution. What are my friends going to say? What's my family going to think? What's somebody else going to do? What about my coworkers? How are they going to receive me? And here the Lord was telling them, listen, uh, the, the hour cometh, verse 32, behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. The Lord is saying, listen, there's coming a persecution, and there is going to be a response of that persecution. If you are going to profess me, there will be persecution. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ, uh, uh, Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a promise. The Lord t tells us that there is going to be persecution. If we do right, if we stand for him, there will be persecution. Mrs. Brown gets an, a magazine, uh, and it's uh, entitled The Voice of the Martyrs. And it goes through, and it's talking about people that are martyrs for the Savior in 2021. 
We are, we are so safe here in America. Though our world is changing so fast, we're, we, don't have, we don't have people that are dying because of their religious belief. We're not being imprisoned. And yet, we are still afraid to proclaim our faith in Christ. We might get our feelings hurt. You know, one day when we see the Savior, one day when the Bema Seat of Christ, the judgment seat takes place, I don't want to stand next to the Apostle Paul. I don't want to stand next to two individuals that have lived their life and have proclaimed the Savior under much persecution and even death. And here, as American Christians, we are so timid with our profession. The Lord said that to these individuals that there was a uh, proposed persecution. These individuals, all 11 of them, are going to end up becoming martyrs for the Savior, uh, but in a sh few short minutes, they will be scattered from the Savior. Uh, a few short hours, uh, they will save their own skin. Uh, in a few short days, they will seek re refuge in hiding uh, away from uh, the masses. Uh, we'll find them uh, going again to the shore of Galilee to seek a, a different different source of sustenance. They're going to go back to the old life. Uh, why is that? Because of persecution. Persecution has a way of refining. Now, though these men had some down time, they got it right, and they finished strong. You know, you and I, we don't know what's coming next in America. Persecution could be right around the corner. But if we're not even willing to speak for the Savior when there is no persecution, we will definitely not speak for Him when there is. You see, we have an opportunity right now. But with this proclaimed profession, with this proposed persecution, we see a promise of peace. The last thing the Lord said here is, these things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now notice here that tribulation was a given. Peace was an option. Everyone was going to was going to. Uh, experience tribulation. But not everyone was going to experience peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. In me ye might have peace. Now, does that mean that it's sort of a roll of the dice whether God's going to give us peace or not? No. It's whether or not we are in Christ or not. Are we abiding in Him?
If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, shall ask what you will, it should be done unto you. What do we find? Being in Christ uh, is what is going to give us that peace. No matter what the turmoil of the world, no matter what tribulation, no matter what trials we face, there is a ability to have t- uh, peace in the midst of all of that. Why? Because if you're in Christ, you can have peace. You know, we're going, we're going to experience tribulation one way or the other. There's trials coming for all of us. Turmoil's a part of life. But peace is offered. And it's just like the gift of salvation. It's offered to all. But not everybody's going to receive it. Just because you're saved this morning doesn't mean you have peace. Does it? Say, Pastor, I'm saved, but, but I don't have peace. That peace is available, but it is in Christ. Your counselor isn't going to give you peace. Changing the circumstances of your life is not going to give peace. The only one that can give peace in your soul is the Lord. And when we abide in Him, as we are not only a child of God, but as we are living, submitted to Him, seeking His leading guidance in our life, we will find that there is a peace that passes all understanding. Some aha moments. And these aha moments are all pivotal times. And all of us have some of them. Do you have an aha moment of salvation? What about restoration? Maybe there's, you got away from the Lord, sort of reckless like that prodigal. Is there an aha moment of, of how God brought you back? Say, Pastor, what good are all these? These keep us from going back the wrong way. Aha moments. We all have them. Let's not forget them. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Uh, May you just lead us and guide us. And we hit many different things. And Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would just work in each heart. If there's one here today that does not know you as their Savior, I pray today that they'd put their faith in you. Uh, Maybe they've wandered as this reckless individual had and uh, the prodigal. I pray that you would just draw them back to themselves. May they have that awakening, that awareness, but may it be followed with action. Help us, Lord, uh, this morning. We endeavor to follow you. We want to please you in our lives. And so help us, Lord, uh, as we uh, live our lives down here on this earth. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand together as the instruments play. The Lord spoke to your heart this morning. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me encourage you to come forward. We have the uh, pastors down front. Maybe you need to come and talk to the Lord about something he put his finger on in your life. Maybe there's a lack of peace. Maybe you have not professed him. Maybe you've not been telling other people about him. Uh, Maybe maybe there's been uh, some actions of being too religious and maybe a little self-righteous and Lord put his finger on something. Whatever God does business in your life this morning, you respond. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.